Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary and my patron peeps, patrons, this is the first intro I'm recording in 2020, even though it might be not be the first, probably definitely won't be the first you're hearing. Uh, I do want to say I hope you're having a great year. Uh, you know, happy new year. You could start fresh today. There's a deal. Uh, I'm not kidding either. Start your year fresh every day, every morning, like New Year's Day. I could ramble about it forever because that's my job and you enable me to do my job, patrons. So let's get on with the show. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it We do it with a, we do it with a bedtime story. I don't know what word I almost... We do it with a bedtime story. I think I just slipped on with... Uh, hey, that could be part of the intro. Uh, we do it with a bedtime story. I guess because usually I say it fast, we do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do uh, is uh, try to create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's a thoughts you're thinking about, you know, running through your brain. Uh, they could be past, present, or future ones. Uh, they could be, you know, they don't have to be running. But usually they could be fidgeting, too. They're usually doing stuff to get your attention. Thoughts, uh, feelings, uh, you know, any emotions that are coming up. Or, you know, re- remnants of the day. Or physical sensations. It could be changes in time or temperature or schedule. All those things impact me. Holy moly. Uh, that temperature, you know, that's one thing that definitely throws me off. Or, you know, and travel. Don't mix temperature and travel. They seem to go together. Because, every, you know, here's the thing. Here's a truism I, I've never said before. Wherever you travel, there's temperature. It could be, it could be any kind of temperature. That part's not on the um, cross-stitch. But uh, uh, the cross-stitch would be wherever you travel. There's temperature. You can find it at uh, 99 cent stores and clearance centers near you in the future. Uh, but uh, yeah, the rest would be because, you know, every place has a certain temperature. It, it may be different than the temperature you're used to. And more than likely, it's probably not your identity, you know, ideal temperature. And you may be traveling and then you say, well, I can't, can't you know, I, I don't have the, the, the rights to the, the thingamajig that you press to change it. You know, or you say, well, you know, like, like you say, well, you know, if you're sharing a room with somebody, you say, holy mackerel. Uh, uh, so those are reasons I can't sleep. So whatever is keeping you awake, it could be any of those things. It could be specifically that, you know, it could be traveling, could be temperature. It could be what I was slipping on. What did I say? What a word did I slip on? Thus or something. Uh, and, uh, so whatever's keeping me awake, I'm here to take your mind off of that. What I'm going to do is I have a nice, a safe place to set aside here. Oh boy. G- gosh, goodness. Uh, goodness gracious, great gobs of a uh, safe place. Uh, do I have, uh, you know, spaced out here. So I have a safe place. I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones. Uh, tonight, extra creaky. You know, we've got, we've got an extra dose of creaky. Creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders, superfluous tangents. And what those means, so let me, and just in case you're new, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Uh, so creaky, dulcet tones is kind of the sound of my voice. It's uh, You say it's somewhat soothing, but not totally soothing. And I think, it, it, like you say, well, why does that work for some people, Scoots? Why do you think it's creaky, dulcet tones? You know, why can't I fall asleep to that dulcet, uh, the dulcet, uh, the light show, uh, you know, every single night? Why, you know, why did I find that that one I just couldn't sleep to? I said, well... You know, maybe it's just that it's too smooth. You see, then your brain says, wow, this, while you're relaxing to those smooth tones of the dulcet delights, uh, let me bring up all this other stuff. Where creaky dulcet tones, they're a little bit more rough around the edges, a little bit more human, if you will. I mean, like a, on the strong side of it, fallible. 
you know, no one ever says that in those movies. They say, well, I like my, you know, I don't think you could call him a hunk, but I like my, uh, I like my sleep podcast with a heavy, like a, a, a double side, a double side of fallible in, in ability to be incomprehensible, barely comprehensible. So that may be why the creaky dulcet tones work. If you're new, you might say, I don't know about these creaky dulcet tones. I say, well, that's what most listeners said the first time they listened. Uh, and so creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders, I, that's kind of self-explanatory. And they're pointed. I mean, they're, they're, they're there with a purpose. I don't know what that means. I would definitely never have any pointed meanders in this podcast or near your bed. I always go with the sleep podcast. Now, a lot of you are younger, so you won't know, remember this, uh, and you'll laugh at this. Uh, once upon a time, this was right, right when I became, like, there was a time, I think in the 80s and maybe the 70s, uh, when they had these things called waterbeds, which you, you, you don't think you can even buy them anymore because insurance companies said, uh, Finally, they would like it was basically like you know an aero bed, right? Everybody can or an air mattress, like the ones that look like a mattress. You fill it up in your living room or your parents' living room when you're visiting them. Uh, so imagine that, but it was filled with water. That's like, but it, then it's in a bed frame, like a regular bed. And very few people had them. Like you'd go over, like you knew when you had a new friend. Uh, it w- I guess, it, the, like, I never, like, you'd go over to their house and they'd say, you, you, you say, well, what do you, you want to do, play with some toys, uh, run around in your yard? And inevitably in the conversation when you come up that they, their parents had a waterbed. And the next thing you know, you'd be in there. And it was like it was sleeping on a wave. I don't think, I think, like, it was a generally considered, uh, I don't know, I never slept in a waterbed. I've lied in them. You would lie in it, and it would literally have waves. Uh, and I think they're associated with, like, uh, um, uh, you know, people that would have, like, an open shirt with chest hair and, uh, and like, a lot of, like, like a, I don't know, like a 70s vibe thing of, like, uh, yay, yeah, uh, chitty bang bang, if you know what I mean. It, like, but, but, uh, I just remember it was just like the most mesmerizing thing to a kid. And now thinking about it in the history of things, you say, well, that was a, wasn't, you know, it wasn't a strange things people have done. And I could see for like a sleep with me live show, waterbeds would be pretty good. Though they're probably heavy and they were known to leak. I think that was the main downfall. One probably wasn't great for uh, sleeping in the end. Except you could warm, I think you could warm them up. So you could lie in bed and you could say, warm it up, Chris, if your partner was named Chris or they knew that reference. Uh, and they might say, I'm about to. And they would dial it up. Now you could use some products like the, the, the sponsor we had, uh, Chili Sleep Systems or something. But uh, yeah, you, it was like sleeping on a wave. Uh, I don't know what my point is or how that even came up. Really, I have no clue. So I'm just pausing. It was it, it was a pointless meander. It was I said, "Oh, okay, this is my waterbed thing." I had to explain what a waterbed was uh, because I guess when I the reason I don't have pointed meanders is because I always assume you're listening in waterbed, even though very few people probably are. I mean, the podcast is big enough that I know someone is in a waterbed listening, and I salute you, no doubt about it. And I hope when you're, if you have a child and they have friends over, the first thing they do after they say, okay, well, let's go in my room. We can look at my toys for a little while. And they say, well, actually, my parents have a bed that's like, a, like, here's another thing I noticed. Uh, I don't know if these two things are associated, but people that had water beds always had a maid. So if you, if you lived in a home with a water bed, your parents were also the kind of people that made their bed. So that's interesting as well. I don't know. We got to get, I don't know if I, like any anthropologist would ever want to work with me on any of these issues, but, uh, you know, one day, I don't know any, 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 uh, outer space systems that are listening into this podcast, start your research on that. It's going to yield results. Okay. So where was I? Pointless meander, superfluous changes. If you're new, I went off topic pretty early there. 
So structurally, pod, this is a podcast uh, that uh, has a weird structure. Starts off with business. That's how we keep it free for everybody. Then there's an intro, which is around 12 to 18 minutes long, uh, where I just natu- I start to introduce the podcast and I go off topic, just like a wave in a waterbed. You should Google it. I mean, I'll try to put it in the show notes. Uh, I really wish I, if I had, you know, if I had a mansion, I would have a waterbed room. And maybe we could just build it on like a, some, a room with great drainage. Uh, or maybe in like if I had a, here's a, here's another idea, another free idea for businesses that will give me a lifetime of uh, free visits. And this one's a legit, like a legit good idea. I mean, not like my other ones that I've given away for free. Is So there's a lot of cabanas or a thing. I've never rented one. I looked at the price of renting a cabana once at a pool, and I said, I'm sorry, what? what? Like, it's a hotel rooms less than that. Uh, but I will say, especially if you have the cement and you're at a pool anyway, oh, I guess you, like, I guess you could, it would be risky, right? My, my brain that handles the... Uh, the uh, the supervision part said, well, yeah, I don't think you should put any beds in cabana scoots. And I said, why? Then you could sleep in a waterbed. And it said, well, y- you could. And I said, oh, okay. I'm just thinking of my use at a cabana in a bed. I just lie there in the waterbed looking at the water. I don't know. It'd be something unique. Maybe those, well, not in those Las Vegas pools. You're right. Because, uh, but maybe at a water park, uh, you could say, yeah, our cabanas, our VIP cabanas have water bed. Maybe a water lounge. You could just call it a water lounge. Uh, and you say, if you have the water lounge in there, you can't close the curtains. Uh, so anyway, I guess that's uh, like, it's just a free idea anyway. But, but I mean, uh, if anybody has any free cabana coupons, send them my way because uh, that would be cool. Okay, so where was I? Oh, structure the show. So there's an intro. Intro, if you're new, it can it can throw new listeners off because it kind of doesn't go anywhere. People are like, when is the podcast going to start? What are you talking? This is where you ease into bedtime because uh, most beds aren't like a waterbed. I think that was one of the appeals of the waterbed. It's all ease. Like once you're in a waterbed, you know it, uh, and you don't got to get comfortable. You're just comfortable. Until you realize you're on a, in a waterbed, and then probably around minute 10, you're like, how am I going to sleep in here? And then the person says, you know, hey, whatever. So uh, they say, well, I got a bed for sleeping, and the, so this is the cabana bed. Okay, so oh, so the intro could just kind of goes, it doesn't go anywhere. It, it's to help you get ready for bed, ease into bed. Then there's a story. Tonight it'll be a recap of the TV show The Mandalorian, but it'll be really uh, uh, indirect and meandering, and I'll go off topic. So if you haven't seen the show, uh, it might spoil it for you, but I don't think it will because you won't really remember. You say, what was Scoots talking about? Was he talking about that Jedi robes don't look very, they look like they could be a little scrapey and not comforting? But then he says, Obi-Wan, you know, and they say, maybe he talked about that. Did he compare Jedi robes and bathrobes? Uh, and and then says, what's the difference? And then he said, well, Obi-Wan once said, this is my working robe. That's my robe robe. Uh, and then he said, what is it? Then he scoots and made up a joke right in the middle of it. He said, what is Obi-Wan? Uh, what did Obi-Wan say to Doc Brown when they got to the nudist colony? What a Doc Brown, and then he said, robes? We don't need any robes, or something like that. Where we're going, oh, when they were packing. There you go. I backed my way into that joke. Uh, also, what were Doc Brown and uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi doing together? They're best friends. Uh, Doc Brown, that was like a fan fiction I wrote, where Doc Brown searched the universe for a new best friend. Uh, settled on Obi-Wan long, long, long ago, galaxy far, far away, Doc Brown can get there. And, uh, then he said, yeah, well, well what would you want to do? He said, well, I'm feeling constricted uh, by the force and all these rules about being a Jedi and stuff. Uh, this was young Obi-Wan. 
And he said, well, he goes, that Qui-Gon, you know, Qui-Gon Jinn's like, uh, he's so holy cow. I got a, I got a vacay coming up, though, bestie. Uh, what do you think we should do? Because I'd like to go see those shopping malls you've been telling me about. And then Diet Brown said, well, no, we're going to go check out this place where you don't wear any clothes. And they said, okay, let me start packing my robes. And he said, robes, where we're going, you don't need any robes. So that one didn't take too long to figure out. And that's what, so that would be what to expect in the episode coming up uh, uh, one day when I get there. So it's a show to put you to sleep and take your mind off stuff. It's a little bit different than any other podcast, even sleep podcasts and sleep medica- meditations, uh, because I'm a bit goofy, as clearly you, you've seen. And uh, so it's kind of more supposed to be like a friend keeping you company as you drift off. Uh, usually I get to, at least I get like a little bit more concise with these intros, but that was an interesting little journey we went on. I mean, I'd like to be on that other journey, except for the, like the Colin, like, I just like to be, I'd like to have, uh, uh, Doc Brown take me to hang with uh, Obi-Wan. So anyway, I guess I'm glad you're here. Uh, I, like I work very hard, believe it or not, if you're new, but I, I really do because I've been there in the deep, dark night, tossing and turning, and I greatly yearn and I strive to help you fall asleep. So thanks again for coming by. And here's a couple of ways we keep this podcast free for everybody. All right, everybody, we're talking about the last episode of the Mandalorian and the latest episode, not the last one, second to last, actually of the Mandalorian it starts with recap code IG unit, uh, be in my crew. Nope. Thanks. Peace out. Kara, uh, client, large bounty, small package. Okay. Werner, Werner, keep it to yourself. Uh, uh, also playing ball, hide and seek. Uh, and then the episode opens, uh, that's my, you know, my quick, quick recap. Uh, let me make sure my, uh, Subtitles are on here so I can capture some of the dialogue while we go through this. Uh, against the guild code here, Mando's looking at the ball, hide and seek with the uh, troopers of storms. Oh, so wrapped up. Oh, so cute, wrapped up. And now the title screens are playing. Uh, and then the episode eventually will open here in space. Uh, Mando's ship, the Razor Crest, as we, as we, you know, I should know, but I always forget. Uh, also, I, you know, I'm not doing this research, but I said, is it the brand of the ship? Is it, ra- oh, that's Razor Crest brand. The ship that can't be detected. Razor Crest. Uh, or is it the name of the ship? Uh, Old Razorcrest is named after Old Razorcrest, that salty space pirate uh, whose uh, crest on his head was so, uh, you know, like you could you could shave on it. That's why we called him Old Razorcrest. Also, was very young, so he looked old. He was one of those beings, uh, a bit like Oso, but different. Uh, but it opens in space. Oso's sleeping cute in a uh, new bassinet, or uh, I guess it's not a bassinet. I'd like to listen to a podcast, but I guess this is uh, this podcast, a podcast of stuff Oso sleeps in. He gets a message from Grief Cargus. I guess these are one-way messages, uh, like a late-delivered voicemail. Like a like a video, a FaceTime, but they don't. They're not two way. I mean, here's one thing that I just thought of. It would get on my nerves if you if you had to send somebody a message, you got to stand up every time because Grief Cargus is standing up. Uh, he'd say, "Oh man, I got a Samando message. I just don't. I'm sitting here on the couch. I know I got to get up and stand in front of the camera." I wish I wish I had that camera brought droid. You know, I got that droid that can do it for me. Especially one with that ring that makes everybody look good, ring light. Uh, but he says, hey, surprise. He goes, son, have I got a little story to tell? What you thought was a leader of your uh, your guild is, uh, is still kicking it. You must be too if you're watching this. Uh, a lot has happened. You got We got some despotic rule going on. And we're really messing stuff up, and we can't get close to him. 
Severner. And I got one last commission for you, buddy. Worth your while. You know, you've been successful so far. And in return, you know, you and the child will get to do whatever you want. Here's my proposition. But B-A-I-T, though. We got some loyal guild members ready to help out. Men of honor. Or man of, oh, no, maybe he says you're a man of honor. He says, go to the, go, go there, check it out. Uh, you and the child uh, will be cleared. Oh, for a man of honor, she may not be forced to live in exile. Await your arrival with optimism. Uh, look at, he looks at the sleeping Oso. He's thinking, he looks over his shoulder. Oh, he's so cute and sleepy with his orange button. And he thinks for a while, turns his head again, clicks some buttons, makes, you know, makes a decision clearly. And the ship starts moving. Space, uh, title, oh, the title, then we get the title after the Razor Crest goes by in space, uh, The Reckoning, Chapter 7. And this is kind of what we've been waiting for. This uh, next, like, a t- five to ten minute sequence, we see a swamp planet, Razor Crest. Uh, uh, then we cut to the kebab and noodle bar. And uh, Cara Dune is having this ribbon. There's a, there must be this new competition. It's like a ribbon dance. You know what ribbon dancing is? It's when you dance with ribbons. Usually they're attached by a stick. Uh, and it's a form of dance. Uh, actually, I think it's even in the Olympics as a part of uh, gymnastics. Now, this one takes place in a kebab and noodle bar, so a little bit more gritty. Gritty noodle. N- n- not no- Actually, maybe it was noodle dance. Oh, ribbon noodles. Uh, so it's not just ribbon dancing. It's a ribbon noodle dancing dance-off uh, where they use the ribbons... Uh, in a competitive way. So she's doing that against a dude who looks a bit like an Ankylosaurus. Uh, his crest like a dino. That's what I put originally. Mando and Oso roll in like uh, two, two, swag, like two swaggerers. Uh, they say, give us a couple glow drinks. Uh, heavy on the glow cu- cubes, light on the booze. And they say, what up, Dune? And she says, what up with it? And uh, they see, she says, I'm laying low here. And then the guy she had the ribbon noodle dance off with, she says, come back soon. Uh, and he goes, I got this big reward thing. Uh, yeah, you want to work with me? She goes, no, I can't. I'm on, everybody's on the lookout for me. And uh, you can't do it. Uh, you got to stay low, just like you said, uh, you know. Uh, I got a history. He goes, a handsome, re- what about a handsome reward? And I don't mean money, you know, hubba hubba. She goes, what? I'm not in the mood, dude. Get to the point. Uh, and I also don't need to deal with any local warlords. He goes, oh, no, it's imperial. And she says, I'm in. And then we see a map. Uh, what does it say? Contact. No, let me. Oh, so she's talking, Karen, uh, she, she goes, you, use your contact need to vet me? Amanda goes, no, doesn't know you're coming. She goes, that's going to be a problem. He goes, well, his problem, not mine. Oso likes that line. Then they go down to the work station. He goes, take your pick. Uh, uh, pick one. She goes, is he up all right up there alone, like a baby that's always getting into stuff? Uh, he says, oh, yeah. Then she says, uh, hey, will you trust your contact? And he, he goes, no. Then at 712, do yourself a gigantic favor and use these time codes because at 712, you're in for a surprise. Uh, right around 712. Now it's oh, 705, actually. Oh, wow. It goes on for a while. They zoom in. At first, at 705, it's in the background. Oso pops Oso's head down to check on the adults and like, and then starts trying to drive the car. Uh, so before misbehaving, Oso knows enough to check. Uh, so then Oso's trying to drive the ship. Uh, and Kara says, do I need to state the obvious? We need somebody to watch him. Uh, you know anyone you trust? He goes, huh, yeah. Actually, we just happen to be on our way there anyway. 
And then we see a kind of a desert Badlands planet. Music's playing. We see our favorite beasts of burden. And I'm not talking about the stones. I'm talking about those creatures. Who's, you know, I'll remember their names in a minute. You see our favorite windmill spinning around like a pinwheel. You look at that windmill and then you know you found the right farm, the right outpost. Uh, Again, they say, what up? Uh, And old Nolte says, come on in. Uh, Now flailing bin. Uh, What is that? I don't know what that means. I think it says something a flashing bin. Uh, but they go in his house. He says, geez, that thing hasn't grown much. Uh, and Amanda goes, it might be a strand cast. He goes, no, 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 not engineered. Uh, it's evolved. It's too ugly. He goes, oh, what Cara doing, though? She could be from the side of caves of someplace, Nor- Nor- Norvo or something. Uh, and he goes, uh, he, she was a dropper. And he goes, oh, yeah, I was on the other side. Sorry, but I was conscripted. So... Uh, I had to pay my client's debt. Uh, now I serve no one but myself. And then we have our old favorite IG unit. It says, T anyone? And everyone gets freaked. Uh, like, what the heck? Uh, Mando says, no, 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 this thing's out. And he goes, no, no, I reprogrammed it. Uh, don't worry. And then we have this very poetic like uh, thing. And let me read some of it because it's a flashback. Uh, and he says, geez, in the wake of your visit, uh, it was left behind. And we see, I mean, there's a lot of scavenging to do. Holy moly, you'd make millions. I don't know where those uh, Jawas are right now. Uh, but he says, I found it laying where it fell. Uh, he kind of cradles it. He says, devoid of all uh, non-big farm. And he goes, I recovered the floatsome and staked it as my own. Really uh, poetic. I, I really like that. Uh, and they starts working on it. Uh, goes, a little remained of its neural harness. Sorry, the, the reconstruction was quite difficult, uh, but not impossible. Then there's a sequence of the IG unit learning everything from scratch. Uh, uh, something that cannot be taught with a twist of a spanner. Uh, patience, repetition. I wish I had someone to train me like this. Uh, trying to feed the blurgs. So that's what they're called, the blurgs. Uh, day after day, reinforcing its development. I guess this is foreshadowing. Patience and affirmation. So what a good parent. Uh, it developed personality as his experiences grew. And eventually he could pour dinner uh, oatmeal for the blurg uh, and move boxes uh, and uh, stuff like that, which was great. And now now serve tea. Yeah, so then they have a stare down. He goes, goes, no, it's a protector now, not a a looking for people stuff. Uh, Mando and the IG stare each other down. And it's silence, and then the IG unit says, T, anyone, anyone. Uh, then we have an outside sequence with uh, Mando, and Mando goes, Geez, I, I got a situation. The guy goes, well, why else would you come out here? And, uh, and Mando goes, I want to hire you. He goes, I'm retired. And he goes, I can pay you handsomely, ugh, not. And he goes, by the way, I got a name. It's Queel, I think. Uh, like almost like Quill, but Quill. He goes, uh, I'm not a babysitter. He goes, I'll reprogram the IG unit for babysitting. And he goes, why don't you like droids anyway? Uh, and he goes, because he goes, he goes, they're not good or bad. They just are natural, neutral reflections of those who imprint them. Mando goes, I don't believe that. Uh, he goes, well, do you trust me? He goes, yeah, I guess so. And he goes, then you will trust my work. And he goes, hey, I, oh, this one, he says, IG and I will do it. We'll do it for free because uh, we want to keep it. We like that kid. And he says, none will be free until the old ways are gone forever. So he would join the Khaleesi, man. He's down for breaking the wheel, even though that didn't work out. Uh, he goes, also, blurgs are coming. And Mando goes, you got to be kidding me. He goes, yep, I've spoken. 
then they're in space, and I guess they decide to feed the Blurgs while they're on autopilot and have an arm wrestling match between uh, Cara Dune and Mando uh, while Quill's working. It looks like he's smoking some kind of pipe or something. It, uh, like, he's pulling tubes, so like, literally pulling tubes at uh, about 1350. But Baby Oso does not like the arm wrestling and lets Cara Dune know about it with mystical hand stuff. Uh, Amanda goes, what are you doing? No, 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 she's a friend. We were just playing arm wrestling. Uh, uh, he goes, Cara's my friend. And she goes, that's not okay. And then uh, Quill goes, curious. And she goes, curious. Uh, he goes, this stuff with the mud horn. Now it makes all makes sense. He goes, I've heard about this. He goes, uh, she goes, what, in the Empire? He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, well, when I was, yeah, when I was put in the Empire, uh, oh, no, he goes, yeah, I'm free because I worked my way to freedom. Maybe you would know what that is. Uh, he goes, I worked a th- three human lifetimes. NIG rolls up silently. He doesn't seem to like Kara's tone. I don't know. I, I was trying to count how many eyes IG unit has. A lot, uh. Amanda goes, how about a nice crib for this baby? Let's change the subject. Could you pad this floating shipping container I have? Uh, and he goes, I'll fabricate a, fabricate a better one with my hands, uh, with the skill of one's hands. So he gets to use on that. Uh, uh, let's see. Then uh, Karen and Amanda are flying. They say, we're going to Navarro. Have you ever been there? Nope. Uh, not a great place, so the city's dug in deep, uh, no cover. And Empire held it till the end of the war. Uh, Mando goes, yeah, this, same, this dude is uh, no insignia, but he's like, uh, he's some sort of, you know, imperial warlord. Oh, like former officer. Then the IG unit comes, second meal, do you want it here below? Mando goes, not hungry, dude. I guess he speaks for the royalty because Kara doesn't get to eat. Maybe she bailed, though. And he goes, this thing can't go off the ship. He goes, she goes, geez, uh, it's rewired. And he, he goes, yeah, I don't know. I don't care how much wiring it replaced. It's its nature. And she goes, it's not going to take long. This is going to be easy. Uh, easy, easy and quick. I'm going to go eat with the IG unit, by the way. Bye. Mando sits there solo thinking. Uh, then we, let's see, not hungry. Then we see it's, uh, the planet, we, we land, grief standing there with uh, three f- guild members, uh, one, the, I think one of the dudes with the big helmets, uh, uh, the, the blurgs get off with the three of them on it, which is impressive, uh, that, that leaves grief and his crew speechless, uh. I mean, if you see, Amanda says, this is the first Blurg you saw. I'm a Blurg rider now. On a gray Blurg I ride. Uh, and by the way, you know, we are kind of wanted. Uh, and Grief says, I walk these dirts. Uh, he goes, anyway, sorry, man. Sorry about everything getting so complicated. Uh, and he goes, introductions are in order, I guess. I thought you were coming by yourself. He goes, but we all got security now. Uh, and Grief says uh, the, uh, maybe the guild trooper should stay back uh, since she's got tattoos, uh, anti-empire tattoos. And they look at their hackles up. And Amanda says, not a choice, dude. So uh, uh, Grief says, oh, man, fine, fine. Cover it up, though. And he goes, where's the baby? You want to say hi? Baby loves me. And Mando actually introduces grief to Oso with a floating, new new floating pram. NFP, new floating pram. And he goes, holy cow, this kid is cute. Oh, so cute. Wow, now I see what the fuss is about. Precious little creature, he says. Arms open, quiet, fine. Little one, all the fuss. Uh, glad we'll put this uh, matter to rest. The sun drops fast on Navarro, by the way. So let's get through this lava and walk, blurg walk over uh, 
to our campsite, and they wrote they used the lava to 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 keep their fire warm, which is very intelligent. Uh, and a lot of staring down. Uh, babies Oso's getting fed. And let's see what else. Uh, we see some of the other. We see this is a you know the countryside of this planet has beings on it. I'm surprised they would have such a big dinner. Like they have a giant. Like it's like they're celebrating, even though they're not. Yeah, but they're all gathered around working. Uh, feed Oso. Like I said. They're kicked back. Actually, uh, grief's in parlay position at uh, at 2020, 2012. Uh, goes that little biker. Goes he goes. It must be for some highfalutin menagerie. And Amanda goes. What's the plan again? He goes. Go in. Show him the baby and get out. So that's it. A B C. Amanda goes. How many? He goes. Oh, X Empire four. You know, they're just paid workers. They'll take off. And what if they don't? Well, it goes, I'm their best bet for a new employment. So hopefully they're smart. Uh, no more than four, trust me. And then we have these birds come. And it turns out that uh, Blurg and birds don't get along, which we didn't know. And a couple of the guild members, they have a, a bird objection. Uh, so two Bulbergs go out, uh, Mando almost went out, Oso ends up fine, Grief ends up, uh, he got like a, like a, a, something in his eye, and he says, I don't know, man, and Oso rolls up, first Kara tries to fix it, then he, she's like, I don't got the, you know, I don't got enough uh, light or whatever. So then baby also rolls up and says, well, boozity, boozity, boo. And, uh, I fixed it just for you. But at first there's a little comic relief because grief says he's trying to eat me. Yeah, but he uses the old ET touch. Uh, also I saw an old iPod there. Uh, I don't know if it was on Oso's bassinet or on grief. Uh, then also has to rest. Uh, and everyone's like, oh, that didn't go good. Uh, then the next morning comes, uh, and we do some walking and talking. After all that, uh, Grief's like, can you believe it? There was something in my eye, and that kid did a googly, googly goo, and it came out uh, all the way out. And let's see, slow walking, one blur, got a three left. Still got the floating pram, though. They say, I don't know what's going on. Mando says, keep eyes on it, Kara. Uh, walking, talking, second thoughts. So that's what Mando says, uh, or she says. They walk to the edge, overlooking the town. And Grief says, "I guess this is it." And it's a double cross time, but now it's triple cross. Uh, because uh, Grief triple cross is the, the uh, double crossers. I don't know where Blur the Blurg is uh, in uh, Quill. And he goes, "You got a new plan. We were going to double cross you. I uh, realized that." Uh, you know, but uh, I triple crossed, so I'm back on your side. And so he goes, cover up your stripes. Uh, we'll still go into town. We still got to deal with this. They go, geez, no, no, we should get out of here. And then uh, Quill says, no, let him speak. He goes, you bring the kid in. We still do this plan. You know, you'll be free. Otherwise, you're going to be getting tracked down by the Empire the whole time. You got to deal with this now. Uh, so there's a face down. Oso's watching. Uh, and he goes, okay, yeah, just pretend you caught me. Karis works for you. And uh, he goes, uh, we'll do a little fake Rooney. Uh, so, so he says, hey, yeah, let's, uh, let's pretend we caught you and the child. Uh, but Mando says, he goes, no, we got to bring the kid. Mando goes, no way. I got a plan. He goes, Quill, you take the kid, seal yourself in the ship, engage ground, engage ground security protocols. Nothing can get in. And here's the comm link, you know, a still chapstick thing. And he says, let's do this thing. Uh, he says, goodbye. 
and they get ready, a little couple prep shots, everybody getting ready, holding the baby. And they head off. He pats the baby's back. We've got an empty crib, but it's sealed up, which is hilarious. Uh, we watch Oso, watch them go bye-bye. And then we go into town. We see the arch that we've seen before. Then we see some speeder bike troopers. Uh, they're kind of bossy. They demand uh, Grief's chain code. It took two scans to get it to work. He goes, how about that helmet? And the grief goes, no, going on, going on my wall, on your wall, Mando says. Uh, he says, okay. Then we see, uh, we also see uh, grief riding, or uh, uh, Quill riding back to the ship. Uh, let's see, right now they're scanning his chain code. They had to scan it twice to get it to work. Uh, he goes, this scanner's not... Uh, Quite up to date, uh, but uh, he says, "Yeah." Now he's handing his chain code back to him. They start rolling out again. They got to go through town with floating pram. Yeah, getting lots of looks from everybody. And Kara says, "What about?" I tell you, said there'd be four people here. And he goes, "Yeah, with inside, and I didn't mean outside." He goes, "This is you know." And she goes, slip him, slip Amanda his stuff. He goes, maybe later. And she's kind of glaring at him. Amanda uh, looks at the pram. And now we see uh, the blurred again, Quail and Oso riding back to the ship. And then they roll into the uh, Werner's office. We see the four troopers, uh, which grief brags on. Four troopers, see? And Werner stands, oh, great, good to see you, new armor, eh? Uh, Groove's like, as promised, I got this dude here. Uh, and, you know, Werner uh, says, nice craftsmanship on this uh, armor of yours. Beautiful Beskar, forged by ancestral artisans and uh, elaborate use of alliteration twice, uh, excellent alliteration. He goes, how about a libation, man? Old grief. And he goes, hit me, boss. Uh, So then they go and sit down. uh, And then they say, okay, then more troops come in. And then we get a speech uh, from the old warlord, old Werner. Goes, man, don't you realize the empire is so great? Uh, Improves every system by every metric. Wealth of wealthy people. Prosperity of prosperous trade with trading people, opportunities uh, for the people that have the opportunities, uh, clean houses for those with cleaning crews. Because uh, isn't that better than this revolution thing? He goes, isn't it, it's cleaner? He goes, look at all this dust, even on these stormtroopers, they're not shiny. And then we, this part was so hilarious, but it was so hilarious that you could lean into it. He goes, let me see the baby. Grief goes, he's asleep. And then I think it was just this one line made it work. Uh, he goes, I'd like to see the baby. Grief goes, he's asleep, dude. And he goes, oh, we'll be quiet. Uh, it was it just cry. It's a really, and then he goes, oh boy. And he says, open the plant pram, by the way, I'm not a, a sucker. And he just happens to get a call right then. Which really works out. Uh, so he gets a call, goes, uh, excuse me, let me see what he says. Uh, I don't mean to be rude. I got to take this call, though. It's my boss. Uh, then Mando gets ready for his move. There's actually a salt and pepper shaker on the bar, I think. A grinder. Grief goes, you got one chance. And Kara says, there's way more troopers than we expected. He goes, what can I tell you? Nothing's, nobody's perfect, right? Yeah, let's see. Currently sleeping. Oh, they, they, then the boss who, you know, we see, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Get Moff Gideon. Says, where's the baby? He goes, currently sleeping, I think. Uh, then we see this one thing that uh, was strange, I guess, when you think about the value. But, I mean, maybe they had some precision, something going on. And they take out uh, a Werner and his crew. Moff Gideon does the Empire. Uh, like a total bust or something. And, but he leaves care of grief in, uh, Mando and the baby. 
And so they get ready. They say, what just happened? Uh, was that a double cross? I mean, that's what I thought at first. And we see these uh, stormtroopers in black. I don't know exactly what you call those uh, uh, serious troopers. Uh, then a transport pulls up with a ton more stormtroopers. Uh, they get off. Uh, they ha- they're clean. They have shiny. They're like, uh, Kara's like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, so then all of them are gathered. So it's like a no, like so outnumbered, like 80 to 1, maybe even a hundred, well, maybe like 60 to 1. And then Mando, classic mistake, he calls, he goes, Quill, you at the ship? Uh, you taking that slow moving blurg there? Uh, get out of here. Get on the ship and go. Of course, they have the phones tapped. Uh, so the speeder bike troopers hop on their bikes and take off. Uh, and then we have a t- ticking clock, a quick one, quickly ticking. So we have the showdown. We have them cornered and trying to figure out what's next. Then we have a, a X or not an X-Wing TIE fighter come in. And it does some fancy landing moves. Oh, boy, is it fancy, the landing moves. Uh uh, then we have the race to the ship. Uh, the, oh, the wings fold on it. That's what I mean, the fancy landing wings. Uh, uh, even kicks up so much dirt, grief carcass, b- b- coughs. Uh, then we have uh, Blurg and Quill trying to get back to the ship. They're almost there, of course. Oh, of course. And then we have the roof of the TIE fighter opening slowly. Oh, that's when you say, holy, uh, bolo, you know, Valpolio Yoko, loco. And, uh, he's got kind of like a Vader outfit going. I don't know if that's what all moths wear. And a cloak and a glare that we haven't seen since what, season five. Uh, he goes, you have something I want. And they go, who is this guy? And you might have think you know what you're doing, but you don't. Uh, you know you don't even know who you're messing with. Uh, and Amanda goes, "Are you back at the ship? Uh, they're on to us." Uh, then we see another sequence of the of the chase going on. And he goes, "I already got you." He goes, uh, "The baby is going to be mine." Yeah. Uh, then we have another chase uh, chase segment. He says, "Is he going to make it?" Very attention, Mando calling. Uh, the door going down, and he says, this means more to me than you'll ever know, this baby Oso. Mando gives one more quick thing back, and then we realize it didn't, well, first you think maybe there's one other thing, but if you really watch like five or six times, you realize uh, the speeder bikers ended up catching up and uh, saying, hey, don't you want to ride on a speeder bike, Oso? We have, and then Oso says, I guess I'll try it. and Quill and the Blurg, they decide to take a break. Uh, and uh, they say, well, we'll go visit the big farm because we want to see those other two Blurgs that went with the birds to the big farm. And you'll, uh, you'll, you'll ever know. Uh, yeah, Quill out. Then there's mist. Uh, then there's, uh, what does that say, cliffhanger? Oh, the episode's, I said, what's a cliffhanger? Uh, but yeah, it was a cliffhanger of an episode. Then there was about, I think there was either 13 or 14 paintings at the end. Uh, so there was that and, uh, you know, let's look, let's go ahead and look up some stuff that came up in the episode. All right. So a couple of things came up. Uh, one thing was at the beginning, uh, I think your grief carcass is, yeah, I'm still, I'm still not at the big farm in the sky. Uh, which reminded me of the Pearl Jam song, I'm Still Not at the Big Farm in the Sky, also known as Alive, uh, which I guess, I don't know if that's old, like, if, I don't know if that's considered oldies or not, I'm not being, I'm not kidding either, uh, but uh, it was a song by the American band Pearl Jam on their debut album 10, which came out in 1991, so I guess it's not 20, was that 2001? Oh, it's not quite 30 years ago, but holy. Uh, Alive uh, is a, it was originally an instrumental called The Dollar Short. was on a demo tape where they were looking for a lead singer. Eddie Vedder got a copy of the tape, wrote, wrote lyrics uh, that kind of described a fictionalized account uh, of his childhood and his relationship with his father. 
It charted at number 16 in the UK, number 9 in Australia. It was the only uh, Pearl Jam song to receive a certification from the British phonographic industry, going silver, 200,000 copies. Top 20 in Belgium, Ireland, Netherlands, and New Zealand. A single was only available through import in the U.S., so it didn't chart in the U.S. Uh, uh, remixed versions. So Stone Gossard wrote the music for the song while well, he was still a member of Mother Love Bone. And uh, he said uh, Andrew Wood sang it uh, for a little while. And then Gossard and Jeff Ament, uh we started working with Mike McCready. They were trying to form a new band, and that was one of five uh, uh, tracks on their demo tape. Uh, Eddie, Vetti, Eddie, Eddie Vetter started listening. He was uh, working as a petroleum guy for a petroleum company in San Diego. And he said he listened to it, and they went surfing. And then saw the lyrics, recorded it, sent it back. Uh, then they invited him to join the band. Uh, then the first they were called Mookie Blaylock was the name of the band. Uh, and they recorded it live during a demo session at London Bridge Studio. Uh, it would later appear on their debut album 10 and the promotional live EP. Uh, it's an A minor. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, it's a trilogy of songs like a, about a Vetter, uh, mini opera, uh, Alive Once in Footsteps, uh, about uh, just complicated stuff. Uh, and uh, let's see, it uh, even came out in a Coca Cola pop music sampler in 1991. And yeah, so then there was a video directed by John Taft. Uh, uh, it's a black and white video of a performance uh, from Seattle. Uh, so uh, some of it's even, the drumming is actually the clip from the video rather than from the record version, uh, which didn't even include their current drummer or the drummer at the time the song was recorded. And yeah, so there's a little bit about a link to it. It just made me think, because uh, he says, I'm still alive. Uh, also, uh, he says, a man of honor, which made me think of the Game of Thrones episode, A Man Without Honor. And I said, what was that, in season one, season two? I looked it up as season, oh, it was season two. Holy dyslexia. I thought it said, so I looked it up. I said, what was that, in season two, season three? So here's a little insight into my life. I've been, for the past couple hours, I was so confused because, uh, I looked it up, but then I, what do you call it, transposed the numbers. So I thought it was episode seven, season two. And I said, really, that's how many episodes, how many seasons were there at Game of Thrones? I thought there was only seven or eight. There must be like 10. Uh, because, you know, this is an early season. And I was like, wait, Talissa, Rob, uh, Rose, uh, or Agreet, uh, uh, uh and mom, everybody's in this episode, like Tywin. So I was really mixed up. So I guess it's not a relief because then I said, wow, I must have forgot a lot about those first seasons. Uh, that'll be great when I rewatch it. But now, so a little bit of a relief and a letdown. So second season, the seventh episode of the second season, which makes sense because it leads up to... Uh, the conclusion it causes the conclusion of this second season, uh, but it, the name of the episode comes from Caitlin Stark uh, saying, "You're a man without honor," uh, to Jamie, as written by Benioff and Weiss, directed by David Nutter, came out before the podcast existed. Sleep with me, at least uh, May thirteenth, twenty twelve. Uh, so it was at the conclusion of this season that I thought about starting to record the podcast based on the, this uh, series, this season, but I didn't do it. But what month was it? So it was like a late uh, spring. So it takes place in a couple of different places. King's Landing, Sansa's uh, living like married to Joffrey. So that's not great. Uh Oh, no, no, wait, she's not married to Joffrey yet, but she's engaged to Joffrey, I guess. Uh, 
Stannis's fleet is headed towards King's Landing. Uh, John's beyond the wall. He's hanging with a great, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, then they, uh, get caught by the wildlings at Harrenhal. Uh, Arya's undercover with Tywin. Uh, Sir Gregor's uh, still Sir Gregor. Uh, in the West, uh, Jamie's been caught by Rob. Uh, Jamie gets out, gets recaught, uh, I think, I guess at some point, Caitlin, uh, lets him go. I think maybe not in this episode though. Uh, Danny's in Karth. Uh, uh, let's see. Sir Jorah. Uh, oh, this is when they have to deal with the, uh, like the wizards. Uh, uh, and there's a lot of, and it's, hey, yeah, yeah, there's like a, a whole thing. Uh, Danny overcomes the wizards basically. And then they get out of there. In Winterfell, Osha, Bran, Rickon, and Hodor, H- Hordor, H- H- Hordor, uh, they take off, uh, and they ditch Theon, uh, who's really embarrassed, uh, and Theon even fakes that, uh, he fakes that they didn't lose them. It was watched by 3.69 American households when it first came out. And then about a, almost a million in the UK on Sky Atlantic. It was second uh, highest rated broadcast in the UK that week. Oh, that channel, Sky Atlantic, uh, is a 92% on uh, Rotten Tomato. Uh, and uh, yeah, so this is a good episode. I just remember, I like that title, Man Without Honor. Now, this episode is called Reckoning, which reminded me of a, this definitely is an oldies, I guess, at this point, an REM album called Reckoning. They came out in 84. They probably didn't get into it, like listening to it, maybe not even until the aughts. Uh, really, it has some really good songs on it. Uh, it was the second album by REM. Uh, let's see, it was recorded in uh, North Carolina. It tried to capture the sound of R.E.M.'s live performances. Uh, it used binaural, binaural recording on some tracks. Let's see. It was after their debut album was critically acclaimed. They started working on their second album. Uh, they were writing a lot. Uh, they were going through a streak. Peter Buck said they were writing like two good songs a week. Uh, uh, but the recording sessions were difficult for the lead singer who was worn out by the tour previous tour. So they were having trouble getting usable vocal tracks. Uh, but yeah, a couple of songs. Let's look at the songs because, uh, oh, those are review scores. End of Reckoning. I guess they made a movie about it. I was just trying to see if I could see packaging. So I'll link to this article from Wikipedia, but side side one has uh, there's a, there's a South Central Rain, but then I love these two songs. I love uh, Pretty Persuasion and Don't Go Back to Rockville. I really like both those songs a lot. Just in case you're wondering, uh, those are like two REM songs, and I know they had way more popular and probably better written songs. Uh, but those are two songs uh, that I really can listen to. Uh, that one, and then what's the one? Boxcars are turning. That has another title. But uh, those uh, three songs: British Persuasion, Don't Go Back to Rockville. Uh, so definitely listen to those. Check check those out. Okay, how about Ankylosaurus? This is from LiveScience.com. Article from May 10th, uh, 2017 by Joseph Castro. Five facts about the Ankylosaurus. Uh, so let's get these five facts. Are they buried in the article? Well, the Ankylosaurus lived on low-lying plants. Uh, it uh, it had a big tail. It could have had, it might have been flat and triangular, but it, it particularly in movies is like a club-like. And it was armored, uh, massive knobs and plates known as ostroderms, uh, could only go uh, six miles an hour. Uh, let's see. So yeah, let's see. I think a couple other things, uh, it, uh, it's called that just cause it had, it was like a tank, uh, 
It means fused lizard in Greek because its uh, bones and skulls and other parts were fused, making it extremely rugged. Lived in the late Cretaceous period, 65.5 million to 66.8 million. And roamed the western United States and Alberta, Canada. Uh, they did downsize it a bit as they've been analyzing uh, uh, stuff. The largest one was 25.5 feet uh, long and 5.6 feet wide. And it could have weighed up to four metric tons covered in armor. So that was another one. Here's another thing to check out. I'll just it's Custer State Park. That's it's on the edge of the Badlands, and I'll just r- r- link to it. It does have 1,500 free roaming bison, uh, and then it's near uh, Wind Cave, Mount Rushmore, Jewel Cave, uh, uh, Crazy Horse National Monument, and Badlands National Park. Uh, so and that's a but it's a South South Dakota State Park. It, if you're looking for a great uh, combination, like two days, uh, if you're especially if you're driving, that area is just amazing. Or longer, you know. Okay, how about some words for the SAT for those students? Devoid, D-E-V-O-I-D, devoid. Uh, it's from the obsolete. Uh, and it means uh, empty, having none of, completely without. That's an adjective. Uh, as a verb, uh, to empty out or remove, devoid. Uh, oh, wow, anagrams they have in here. Vadi, voided. Devoid and voided uh, are anagrams. That's uh, good to know. I'll never remember that. Uh, that's devoid. Floatsome. Floatsome actually comes up as floatsome and jetsum. Flotsam, though, spelled F-O-L, no, F-L-O-T-S-A-M, Flotsam. It's the remains of a, a ship floating or stuff that's been discharged from a boat on the ocean or the sea. In space, it could be, you know, anything, I guess. A collection of items or fragments of little importance or considered to be of little worth. Uh, dregs, I guess, is a synonym, according to that. Uh, so that's floatsome and jetsome. Uh, then Star-Lord, I'll just link to that, because his name is Peter Quill, not Quail, Quail. Uh, but that's a fictional superhero in Marvel Comics. Uh, first appeared uh, Marvel Preview uh, number four in 1976. Uh, it becomes a, like an interplanetary uh, policeman, according to this, uh, Mantle Star-Lord, and, you know, is uh, famous now uh, because uh, of Guardians of the Galaxy and portrayed by Chris Pratt. Uh, so definitely worth uh, checking out. But, yeah, been around since the 70s. Uh, maybe that's why he likes the music in the movies. Uh Let's see, his abilities, he's a human spartoi hybrid, enhanced strength, durability, longevity. He has an advanced suit. He's a master tactician and commander, except in the movies. Uh, Good at hand-to-hand combat, martial artist, use of technology, flight via jet boots, and a helmet uh, that... uh, you know, does a lot of stuff. So that's Peter Quill, not Quail. Quill, Quail, I think. Uh, and then finally, Hackles. That's another word you might be able to use. H-A-C-K-L-E-S, Hackles. Uh, according to Wikipedia, the rectile plumage in the hair or hair in the neck area of some birds and mammals, the Hackles. Uh, so the hair on the back of your neck, that's a Hackle. And they stand up uh, when you're having, a, you know, a response. Uh, so, uh, raised hackles. You've raised my hackles. Uh, okay, and then uh, I'm going to turn it over really quick to Wendy Marstrap. Hey, everybody, this is Wendy Marstrap. I'm here with my Dewey Dewback. Uh, my Dewback Dewey, sorry about that. And I wanted to talk to you tonight just about ice planets. Uh, this season opened on an ice planet, and Hoth is another uh, famous ice planet, and I just wanted to give you a couple facts from Wikipedia about ice planets. In case you're planning on visiting one in the future, I don't know why you would. 
unless you have a lot of stuff. Uh, ice planets are a theoretical exoplanet with uh, an icy surface of volatiles, water, ammonia, or methane. Uh, planets consist of a global cryosphere. And it could be small icy worlds of a solar system or moons or Europa, Triton, a dwarf planets like Pluto or Eris, or smaller solar system bodies. Uh, they usually are uh, uh, composed of, oh, we said that, well, it could be carbon monoxide or other volatiles, depending on the surface temperature. Ice planets would have surface temperatures below 260 degree, degrees Kelvin. Negative 13 degrees Celsius if composed of water. Uh, 180 degrees Kelvin if uh, CO2. And ammonia would be 80 degrees Kelvin, which is a negative 193 degrees Celsius. Uh, oh, if methane. Uh, on the surface, uh, they don't seem very hospitable uh, like to life on Earth because they're cold and uh, but a lot of them have subsurface oceans. It could be warmed by internal heat or tidal forces from another nearby body that could be habitable. Uh, and then, you know, you could, you know, humans could bring stuff like on Hoth or the beginning of this episode or on your earthly poles. Oh, let's just look here. Ice planets and science fiction. Uh, there's been the Hoth in The Empire Strikes Back, uh, Gethin in The Left Hand of Darkness, uh, Fikina in Star, Ficina in Star Fox, uh, The Ancient Mesa in F-Zero, and uh, let's see what else. Uh, oh, then there's also Lava Planets, uh, which we've seen in the... Uh, Oh, Mustafar, but also uh, Navarro, uh, Solar and Star Fox, Firefield and F-Zero, Pyronite and Ben-10, Excalibia and Star Trek. um, And those are silicon beings. There's ocean planets. There's a lot of stuff. Ocean planets. We saw an ocean planet. Oh, no, that was a moon. That was Endor. Oh, no, that was a moon of Endor, correct? Uh, well, anyway, folks, this is Wendy Marstrap saying, if you bring, if you visit an ice planet, bring a coat, please. And a lot more than that. Uh, from Dewey and I, good night.